Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's uh, podcast here at BAMSI. Um, great to have you along. Also great to have Lee Whittemore with us, who is now becoming kind of a resident mental health expert on the podcast. Lee, who is, uh, as everybody knows, the director of the Whitman Counseling Center. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you, Peter. Happy to be here. Yeah, you know that word, that term, how are you doing, oftentimes is one of those salutations that people don't really respond to. It's, um, it's you know, it's like, how, how's it going? Um, but I guess it's taken on more of a meaning over the last 18 months because it isn't, um, more frequently, it's not the case that people reply, I'm fine. Uh, it's, I'm not doing too well. Um, and, you know, there are a few times, I think we've spoken about this before, but I remember the collective trauma that this country suffered um, on 9-11 and the days after that, and that sort of coming to terms with the shattered assumptions that we have about life being normal. You know, that I remember looking back on that and thinking, you know, other than wartime, I think that was probably one of the biggest um, occasions where people shared a traumatic event in a way that got, that affected them. And of course, some people were affected more deeply than others. And we've been, um, I suppose you would say that America has been assaulted ever since then in terms of, you know, mass shootings that are happening. They're, they're, they're becoming more and more prevalent, um, you know, severe weather and climate change. Um, and our world is shifting and changing around us in terms of how the level in which we feel safe. And that might be real or it might be it might not be real, but in many ways, it's the perception of people's safety in their own homes in society, which I wanted to talk about a little bit today, relative to what's been going on over the last decade, but even more so over the last 18 months. Um, I guess I guess I'd start by asking you, um, are you really okay? Let's start with that because I, I did sort of uh, sort of casually said, how are you doing? But you've been holding this together for the last 18 months with a group of uh, clinicians who have been out straight um, with difficult to hi difficulty hiring people because we have rates that pay mental, mental health and substance use disorder treatment way, way less than other medical conditions, which is a, a point of uh, grave dissatisfaction for me, for somebody who's been fighting for par parity all these years. So the, I'll start, Lee, by saying, how are you doing and how, how are we holding up and are we, are we managing to cover our bases in terms of what our community needs? Well, you know, I think we're doing okay right now. I think we're, we're holding on the best we can. Um, you know, I think what's really become important is, you know, for clinicians and treaters to really practice self-care. Um, it's, it's been an exhausting 18 months um, and it's, it's difficult to retain clinicians. It's difficult to recruit clinicians. Um, and we have an ongoing wait list at the clinic just because we don't have enough clinicians. And I think, you know, most agencies are experiencing similar difficulties. You know, there just aren't enough mental health workers and clinicians out there right now for all the people who need services. And we're really in need with some, um, you know, pretty major mental health issues and stressors. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there are all of these things happening around us, right? So um, this week we heard that uh, the federal government is issuing, issuing a mandate for vaccinations and organizations like ours are sort of scrambling to say, well, what, what is that going to mean in terms of our ability to retain people? It's difficult enough, but now if we have a mandate and we have people who are uh, resistant, is that going to cause uh, any more issues? 
you know, it is, it's, it's just this massive period of uncertainty. And it always happens like this, that when we, when we have a staffing shortage, you know, we have an increase in the number of people who need services. Just going back to, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it is, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we keep, take care of our, our individual selves? And, and the responsibility of yours is how do you take care of your team um, when you know there's this backlog of work and yet you can't ask people to do any more than they're doing now because you, you run the risk of losing uh, people who, who sort of burn out. That work-life balance thing is, is, is uh, a bit of a unicorn sometimes uh, when I think about what we're dealing with. Um, but, you know, let's talk about the people who are looking for services. Do you, do you see anything different in the profile of people who are, who are asking um, for uh, treatment right now than you did prior to, you know, February, March of 2020? Uh, I think it's expanded. I think, you know, people who are seeking treatment, I think it's expanded. You know, people may, who may never have needed mental health services before are finding difficulty in managing their stress and anxiety you know, related to the pandemic and, and just the slow ongoing process. And, you know, they're, they're experiencing new stressors every day. What are they? Well, I think people, you know, they're experiencing, you know, stress and anxiety from just managing the whole pandemic. And, you know, this, there's been grief and loss. Um, you know, there's been isolation, uh, job loss, financial insecurity. You know, we're seeing um, a lot of increased, um, you know, alcohol use and cannabis use. And that's just how people are trying to manage, um, you know, the pandemic caused issues that they're experiencing. Um, but, you know, I think it's a lot of now that we're, we're trying to return to some pre-COVID functioning, I think people have increased anxiety over that because they're hearing about people who are vaccinated who are getting sick. And, you know, they want to resume kind of the normal way of life. Um, and I think there's a lot of anxiety around that, you know, just, you know, worrying about getting sick, you know, um, mask versus no mask, vaccine versus no vaccine. And then I think that their resilience is lower to deal with other so-called everyday life stressors, you know, politics, environment, you know, getting your kids off to school, keeping them engaged. You know, I think people's resilience is down. Yeah, and I think that you're absolutely right. And and then these different roles that parents have had to take on, and you know, let's face it, uh, we know from the numbers that um, that women have been harder hit than this in terms of playing the different roles of keeping their children uh, educated, uh, getting them uh, places, and and sort of having to to work at the same time. We've lost an awful lot of women in the workplace, um, and. You know, we think that we've come a long way with equality and something like this happens. And it reminds us always that this is not an equal opportunity pandemic, not in terms of gender, not in terms of race. Uh, and those additional um, aggressions, if you like, that bear down on, on people do tend to sort of wear them down. I think I think you're right. I, I, lo I love the pre-COVID functioning. We used to talk about pre-morbid functioning, but yeah, the, the, the morbid is, is the, is the COVID here. Um, are you, are you here? Are you hearing that, um, that kids are really struggling as well in terms of their isolation, going back to school, being worried about going back to school, those sort of things? Yeah, we are hearing here and there that, you know, kids are having difficulty returning to that social functioning. They're used to being behind the computer screen. There's definitely been a lot more gaming going on. So, you know, just having that face-to-face -face interaction, we've heard more bullying incidents. 
Um, and I just think, you know, kids are having a difficult time transitioning back to the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. You know? What do you, what do you say to parents who are struggling with this, who are trying to manage all of this? You know, I think when people come and ask for help, they're looking for a pathway, right? They're looking for a pathway mm-hmm. back to health, um, as with any disease, um, you know, what are we saying to people in, in terms of an uncertain future that we're all struggling with that, that can make people feel happy, happier and more, more confident about a pathway out of this? Well, first of all, we say, you know, we're glad you're here. You know, we want to be able to help you. We're, we're in this together. Um, you know, the, the future isn't completely clear, but there's a lot of work being done. Um, you know, try to be resilient, communicate with your partner, communicate with your child. Um, be present. You know, there's there's so many, we've heard so many issues with, with parents just trying to keep that work-life balance. You know, in the beginning when the pandemic first shifted or first hit and people shifted to work at home, there was this thought of, oh, there'll be more work-life balance, quality time with family. And although there was for a period of time, I think what we've seen in the long term is that there's less, less work-life balance. There's no time clock to punch out there's no drive home. There's no commute where you can decompress. I know just for our clinicians alone, you know, we used to be open from nine to one on Saturday and we weren't offering any services on Sunday. Now with telehealth, people are getting services on Sunday, on holidays, Saturday night, seven o'clock on Wednesday morning. So I worry about the clinician's balance and also just, you know, being present for their, for their clients, um, person served. But I think, you know, going back to the, the parent part of that, it's just really making sure that they know there are supports out there and to communicate their needs. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's also good to know that you're not the only person feeling like this. And I, I read this really fascinating article about, um, you know, the old definition of PTSD was, you know, that you 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 experience trauma on the battlefield and in, you know, in in climate disaster and families, you know, when families are dysfunction and dysfunctional. And it is this idea of being able to manage a crisis for a short period of time. But that, but as it drags on and on, we get sort of dragged into um, into the mire of that. Well, you know, when are things going to be when are things going to change for me? Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any benefit that everybody is going through this at the same time, not not having the same issues, but there is this sort of global feeling um, that is affecting everybody. And, um, and, and, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's a little bit of a, a, a window into what it's like for somebody who struggles with mental illness on a daily basis. I wonder if there's been an uplifting of understanding of what it means to be isolated, of what it means, you know, to be, um, to feel depressed, albeit situationally here, but I just wonder, what, have, you, have you given that any thought? Um, I have, actually, because of what we're seeing. I mean, people who have never struggled with isolation issues or, or depression or anxiety in the past, they're experiencing it, and they're seeking help, and I, I think they have an increased awareness of that, you know, um, and I wish we could get more people in to help them with those issues because, you know, with staffing issues, it's hard to get everybody in who needs yeah. treatment. Just a can you do group um, group therapy on telehealth? Yes. And are we doing that? Um, we're not doing that at the clinic right now. We have one pain management group. Uh, I'm not sure if it continued. It was it was starting during the pandemic. I'm not sure if it continued uh, regularly. 
but we're not doing any support groups currently um, yeah. in the pandemic. Yeah. There's been a real shift to get people back in. So our numbers for people coming back in the clinic have really increased. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's what I really like about the hybrid model, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny, yesterday I was at um, a meeting over in Foxborough and the, the big argument was going on with the state about you can't stop uh, reimbursement for telehealth and people really like it. And I was in the meeting and I was quiet, but I thought, well, not everybody likes it, right? Not everybody um, appreciates telehealth, although it does have some great advantages for people. You know, it, it means that you don't have to get up and come to the office. It means you can do it, as you said, if the clinicians are flexible at any time of day. But there are aren't there, people who just really need that face-to-face in-room contact. Absolutely. And, and children are one of, you know, are, is in that, are they're in that group because, you know, they have so much screen time, whether it be, you know, on Google Classroom or when they were doing school at home and then to have one more appointment. And then their social time and their um, recreation time is also on screen. Yeah. So a lot of times, especially the younger children, they do so much better in person. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder sometimes because it does feel a, bit, a little odd because, um, you know, you can go to a social event and there are there are people everywhere and it's almost like COVID hasn't happened. Um, certainly when I was down south, I was in... Uh, uh, North Carolina a while ago, it was literally like there was no COVID. And yet there is COVID and there are people, I mean, what are we at? 750,000 people that have died. You know, you reminded me at the beginning of this conversation that we pretty much all know somebody or a family that has been devastated by loss. Uh, and yet we still have a lot of people who are um, uh, uh, resistant uh, for lots of different reasons, and we're not going to get that into that because that's not the place to do it. Um, but that uncertainty sometimes, um, somebody said to me the other day that they were very angry with people who who are hesitant because we're not going to get where we need to be in terms of herd immunity and, and uh, natural immunity and the vaccination that's going to get us through this. And um, I, I hear people, I, I hear a level of dissatisfaction and anger that we're stuck here and there are so many people who won't sort of push us over the edge. Do you, do you hear that in, in treatment? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and in treatment, of course, you hear both sides of the coin, you know, but there are definitely polarizing opinions. Yeah. You know, people, are, people seem to be at the opposite ends. If they're not in total agreement, they're at the opposite ends. Yeah, that might be more of a reflection on our society at the moment. But, but one thing remains true, I think, if you ask me, Lee, and that is that... Um, you know, the human mind is a, is a beautiful thing. It's also very fragile um, and susceptible to all of the things that this pandemic has sort of rained down on upon us, which is the uncertainty that our, our normalcy is, is being disrupted, um, the shattering of the assumptions that everything will be okay. You think about the number of people who lost their jobs at the beginning of this. Um, I have a friend who w- uh, works at Massport and he hasn't been allowed to go back. Um, he works on cargo and he hasn't been allowed to go back. He's been out of work for a year and a half and it's beginning to have a terrible effect on his family. Um, and the other thing is um, we, we, we strive human contract, uh, contact. We, we love to be in groups. You know, I was thinking at the beginning of this when people said, oh, you know, everybody's going to move out of the cities. They're going to move out to rural areas. I just don't believe that because I feel that human beings need to collect together. They need to share stories. They need to sh- to find people who are like them. And this 
And this um, pandemic has really ruptured that. It's fractured our ability to communicate in ways that we know uh, make us feel better. And, and you must be hearing a lot of that as well in, uh, in your sessions. We are, you know, and I've heard that from quite a few people in session, you know, they just, they're sick of being home. They're sick of, you know, being isolated from other people. They want to get together and they want to feel comfortable to go out to lunch with their friends or, or get together for a holiday with their family. And for many people that are not there yet for the simple reason that not everyone in the family is vaccinated. Yeah. And just going back to the workforce issue that we've talked about a little bit, where we, we, you know, there are only so many licensed clinicians, I suppose, in the state of Massachusetts or Rhode Island or maybe even New Hampshire that we can draw on. Um, you know, do you feel um, as if we're making any progress on that or are we still so far behind in our ability to find those, even find them, not even just pay them above the odds, but find people that are available to work? Um, we're we're not meeting our needs. We're not anywhere close. Um, we're probably down 12 clinicians at Women Counseling Center. And unfortunately, we've had a few clinicians, you know, get their license. They've taken the exam. They've completed their hours and applied. They would get excited when they get their license and then they move on. Yeah. But it is a difficult time. It's, it's, it's definitely changed the landscape. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I, I suppose the optimistic p- person within me, you know, speaks to our percentage levels of infection are dropping um, in this mm-hmm. state. Um, I think the state has done a reasonably good job uh, in terms of meeting the pandemic where it was at um, mm-hmm. a while ago. We're certainly in, in a lot better position than many of the states around the country in terms of being able to have a, I think we're around about 75% um, uh, vaccinated as a state, which is good. Um of course, we can't stop people coming across state lines from other places where they're not so vaccinated. But if one thing comes out of this, we've learned the worth of the people who are the frontline workers, the people who are there for people in treatment. And it, it's a real time for advocacy, if you ask me, that we should be really making the case that there should be parity instead of just saying there is um, in behavioral health treatment with overall health. Uh, I agree. And that, and yeah, and that behavioral health should be integrated with overall health because we know that if somebody's mind is well, their body is much more likely to be well as well. There's too many wells in there, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> that mind-body connection. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lee, it's been a pleasure talking and catching up um, over the past, uh, I don't know how many weeks it is since you were on, but you know, we're still in there swinging. We're still in there uh, seeing many, many people and and helping people um, get their life back on track. So I just wanted to thank you and thank you all of the staff for what you do for individuals, but also what you do for BAMSI as well. You're the first call when we need help in terms of a loss that we might have had uh, in terms of crisis debriefing. And that's a a big part of our agency and you do play a huge role in that. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Peter. And we're we're happy that we can support, you know, employees and individuals and you know, it's it's the team. You know, I have a one. We have a wonderful team here at the at the Counseling Center. So, honored to be a part of it. You certainly do, Lee Whittemore. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Bye.